Welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Progress Over Perfection. I'm Russell Fugit, and this episode is a very special episode and talks about how my wife, Sila, was able to stay sober. Now, as you have heard before, she uh, began her sobriety journey in, in this longest iteration just before the pandemic started. And so about a month in is when the pandemic hit in March of 2020. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how she was able to stay sober through the pandemic and how, you know, the pandemic, of course, challenged us, but also gave her some unique opportunities for us to be together as a family and to really be still and to lean into the things that were most important to us and that were most important to her. So in that way, in some ways it was challenging, but in some ways also was a unique opportunity. But then more generally, as things have gotten back to normal, she was going to share about how she's been able to maintain uh, her sobriety. So I know this episode will be encouraging and beneficial to so many of you. So thanks for listening. And now more progress over perfection. Hey, Sila Bird, welcome back. Hey, honey. Thank you. So how have you been able to stay sober? Now you have a crazy husband. Everybody knows oh, how crazy Lord. I am. So crazy. You got two crazy daughters. And sometimes Beyond it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot going on with 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 three ladies in the house. People asking how I survived the pandemic, and I right? just said, "I'm here, and I have three ladies, and and I'm still here, and, and we're all alive, and we're all alive, we and we still actually think, we actually still act like we like each other." And I yes. was that was success, you know, back in 2020 and in the first parts of 2021, certainly. Um. So so, but obviously, you know, with your sobriety, it's been a, a different journey. It's been a different journey for all of us yes. as a family. Mm-hmm. But certainly for you. So, so you know, want to share, you know, of course, the pandemic's a big part of the last couple of years of our life. But beyond that, generally, how have you been able to really stay? So what consistent habits have you developed? What, what uh, you know, the Bible tells us to renew our mind. How have you mm-hmm. renewed your mind, refreshed your attitude and your perspective and overcome shame, which I know this podcast, we don't talk about shame a lot. What we're, we're going to get to I know more, I think, going yeah. forward. But um how how have you overcome shame? To oh, really I'm be able still to, in the process of overcoming. To, to stay rooted in your sobriety. There's a lot of shame that comes along with mm-hmm. this. So mm-hmm. yes, I'm still mm-hmm. in the process of that. So thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. So before I actually start going into all that, I do want to share um, some like tangible facts about alcohol. So before the pandemic, drinking affected 50 million people. Um, since the pandemic, that has increased by 20% with women reporting a 41% increase Mm. because of stress, anxiety, and mental health. And then this is the saddest part, but yet only 2% of people seek treatment or help. And that was really sad to me. And it it was sad and made me proud of myself at the same time to be like, wow, it affects that many people. And yet only 2% have the courage to to do this. Uh, It's It blew my mind. It made me proud of myself, honestly, (laughs) if I can say that. (laughs) Yes. So I want to share some tips about how I am staying sober in hopes that I will help someone else. I think um, one of the first, probably the main thing is that I changed my perspective exactly to what you just said a minute ago. I focused myself on God and I changed, I renewed my mind. I changed the way I thought. I realized that I could not do this without God or my higher power, as some people say in AA. And if that's how you 
choose right now, you don't want to use God or Jesus or any of that, that is fine. But relying on your higher power, something greater than yourself has really been a big help for me. Um, I'm going to share just the first three steps of AA to kind of get you a little bit of understanding as far as how I've gotten here. So the first AA step is I had to come to an understanding, and this is my, this is the SELA version of it, tweaked a little. Um, I had to come to an understanding that I am powerless over alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable. Second, I had to believe that a power greater than myself, which for me is God, Jesus, um, was the only thing that would help me overcome alcohol. And then step three, I had to make a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And that is when things began to change for me. It was like a big weight had been lifted off of me that I didn't have to carry this alone anymore in, in my shame and in my hiding and in my secretiveness of just trying to do this on my own. I didn't have to do that because honestly, I did not have all the answers. I just had to rely on God every day and stay in communication with him. And that is what has helped me to continue to remain sober. Um, I have had people ask me um, the whole, I don't know how to talk to God. I feel weird when I talk to God. I don't know what to say. You know, I had a girlfriend that was like, I, I don't know how to pray. And I got to be honest, sometimes I think people really overthink this. Um, when it comes to prayer and communication with God, especially when you're you're new at this, you don't have to be formal. There's no proper holy and heavenly father. No, you could be like, dear Jesus, or Lord, you better get them and then just start going on with your prayer. It does not have to be something that is so serious. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't got to be at church. You don't have to be at a table with a Bible. Um, and I think a lot of people have religion and Jesus or God quite confused. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your life together to communicate with God or even go to church for that matter, honestly. God isn't looking for your perfection, okay? He just wants a relationship with you. So talk to him. That's a whole episode right there. We just need to that. That, that whole is a whole episode, episode right there, how to talk to God. Yeah, because honestly, people are like so scared and I always say, talk to him like you would talk to your friend or your sister Preach. or your spouse. Preach. If you're angry, tell God you're angry. Mm -hmm. If you're scared, tell him. If you're confused, <clears throat> I, I have I have to bring God into every room with me, every car, a lot of restaurants, let me tell you guys, family events, but most importantly, in my mind. Mm -hmm. Because my mind, as we try to tell Paige, and she's only seven, Paige is our daughter, in case you don't know us that well, she's seven. And I have learned to tell her, sometimes she'll think things in her mind that aren't true. And we call them brain bullies. And we say, Paige, that's not true. That's a brain bully. Guess what? I'm 43. I got the same daggone brain bullies in my head that are telling me things that are making me feel weak or unsure or this or that. So mm -hmm. when you start yeah. to pray and talk to God, just talk to him. Yeah. Just tell him where you and are. I started out, but yeah, I started out saying that, you know, we, you know, renewing your mind and that's, that's. I'm not, I can't, I'm not a uh, certain someone who's sight uh, and chapter and verse here, but certainly it's, it's biblical. And, and that's a prayer I pray regularly is help God renew my mind and help me to see, see things as you see them. Right. And so when you have to deal with stressful situations, right. When you have to go to, like you said, go to a restaurant where yeah. there's going to be alcohol present, like those situations help me to renew my mind in terms of how I see myself 
so that there is no shame so that I can do the work I need to do to get healthier and be and be better. Right. And so, um, you know, having that kind of relationship. And, I, and the second thing I, I really want to say and share is learning how to sit in silence. Right. Like yes. pray your prayers to God and then shut up, making that time, shutting the phone <laughs> off and yes. just sitting with that silence with mm-hmm. yourself. And I think one thing the pandemic un, unearthed for so many people is that we're all so busy running around and then all of a sudden we were not busy anymore. We had to sit with our our mess, whether it's our family, our spouse, our kids, our finances, whatever it might have been, whatever mess we might have created um, for our life or other things we might have engaged in as distraction. We had to sit with it. And so learning how to sit with it and, and, and allowing a space for God to speak to you and for you to hear the, uh, the inner voice um, so that you can know how to move and take the next step. Is, is a powerful skill to learn. It takes some discipline. It takes time. It does. And, and thank you for bringing up about, like you went back and said restaurant. There are so many times you may have not noticed this. This may be something you would be like, I don't even, I never noticed that. There are times we've walked into restaurants and I'm normally in front of you because you always let the ladies go first. And I appreciate that because if there's an option for me to sit with my back to the bar, I normally sit with my back to the bar. I don't need to sit there and watch every drink that comes up, every wine that is poured. Mm. Like that's just not good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And on that same token, I will share with you guys a few months ago, not even that long ago, Russell wasn't with us. It was me and the girls and we went out to dinner and I was tempted. They sat us right in the bar area. It was a packed restaurant. So I just, whatever they could seat us because we were hungry and the girls are being wild banshee children, jumping off the walls because they're so hungry. They sat us right next to the bar. And I'm, I had the thoughts, Bird, you're alone. These girls don't know what a drink looks like. My kids do not know what alcohol beverages look like. I could order a drink and no one would know. And that is what my brain bullies were telling me at that moment. And I immediately grabbed my eye, my earbud, my Apple earbud, put it in my ear, put some worship music on, some Christian music on. I sat there and colored with the girls and I renewed my mind. I, I did not focus on that bar or that drink. I focused on the things of God. I quickly whispered a prayer in my head to him and was like, just help me, help me. Sometimes that's my prayer. Just help me. Mm. And I got through that with no drink, but you got to be aware and you got to just take that moment. I've gone to the bathroom before and and had a, a moment to myself and talked to God for a second. So doesn't have to be that spiritual. It can be anytime. Um, so as I started doing this, um, I realized that I, that my relationship with God really sets the tone for every relationship in my life. And that as I started fixing my eyes on God, how much things changed all around me. Um, Staying sober requires me to be way more aware of my triggers and to safeguard myself against them. Um, In the past, when someone would invite me to something, I'd be like, yeah, I want to come. Sure. What is it? Now I'm like, I need to think about it. I need to evaluate. I need to see, is this going to be a safe or healthy space for me before I I make that? Am I going to be welcomed in this space? Am I going to be frowned upon? Why don't you drink? You're not having a drink. Like I need to safeguard myself from those situations. So it's really helped me kind of stop and be a more aware of my triggers. And guys, that's not just for someone who's drinking. That's from someone in any situation that you have people or situations that trigger you. Don't be so quick to say yes. Think about it, process it, see how it might affect you 
before you just run off with the yes, because maybe you ain't got nothing else better to do. That definitely was mine. Um, I have also had to embrace routine. Um, it is really something that has helped me stay sober during the pandemic when life was so disrupted. You know, I had to learn how to practice mindfulness. Um, and this is something that takes work. Being mindful is not something I could have said that I, I was in the past. I was kind of a little bit over all over the place and a little scattered sometimes. Just, but just a little. Just a little. Just a little. No, <laughs> I was a lot. Russell would be like, Bird, sit down. Like I would probably be driving him crazy. But I've really had to start practicing being more mindful. And I have to remind myself, it's progress over perfection because I don't get it right all the time. And I do mix up, miss, mess up and be like, oh yeah, I want to do that. And then I realize, no, that's not a good place for you. You shouldn't have said that. Like that, you no. Mm -mm. So I keep reminding myself progress, not perfection. Um, I had to find healthy distractions and I will tell you, I'm a little bit of an old lady over here, y'all. Mm -hmm. I like to crochet. Yes, I know. It's an old lady habit. But it keeps my hands busy. It keeps my mind busy in the evenings instead of holding a wine glass like I did most evenings. Now I'm working on my latest crocheting project. I know it sounds so fun, right? Um, but it also gives me a, a sense of accomplishment because I'm doing something. I'm accomplishing something. And thank you, side note, to my friends and family that put up with my probably not so, so wonderful projects, but you They're love wonderful. Me. My friends love them while my friends have babies and they get custom one of a kind. They so do. I don't know I, what you're talking about. I know. I you're just you're think excellent at what you do. I just think it's like a cheesy old lady thing. Yeah, and I make fun of her for it. Too. He does. Yeah. And I, I'll bring it. I bring it to meetings with me. I bring yeah. it to AA meetings with me and crochet. Big me. old, big old bag from Michael's of yes, yarn. I do. And different little thimbles or whatever. whatever needles. Needles. Yeah. <laughs> sticks. Yeah. Like different little <laughs> sticks. And then it's like, she's doing rap hands. And she's weaving it. <laughs> She's like weaving it in and out. Yeah, it's like hands. she does like, yeah, like it's, it's you know, but it, it comes out. She makes scarves and blank yes. anyway. So, But it's a healthy distraction yeah. for me. And it has really been something that has helped me in my sobriety. You know, honestly, I wish I could find the woman that taught me in high school how to do it and thank her because if I wouldn't have probably known what to do with my time in the evenings when I stopped drinking and her teaching me that in high school has been a, a tool that I could use in my forties. So she ever hears this miss Valaria, I think her name was, um, she, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, finding a therapist, you guys, this has been so important for my healing and my growth. Um, I have been seeing a therapist. I was seeing her weekly in the beginning. I'm seeing her bi-weekly now for a long time. And yes, it was, you know, something I went and saw her to talk about my sobriety, but it has turned into so many different areas of my life. And she's such an amazing therapist that like, I can say to her, what areas do you think I need to grow? What areas do you think I need to work on? And, you know, it's, it's really nice to have another perspective. That's not somebody that's in my life or that I live with, you know, to be able to, to talk with and unpack. So my therapy has been so incredibly important. We are a family that advocates for therapy. Our daughter who's seven is in therapy. My husband has been in therapy. I am in therapy. So that's something that's very important. Um, just this week in an AA meeting, I had a re relevation. How do you say that? Revelation. Revelation. Thank you. Okay. See y'all. I'm not the mm -hmm. sharpest mm -hmm. knife in the drawer. Um, Shout out Alvin Ailey. Revelations. Go see it. Anyway. Oh, okay. Um, I 
had been feeling this guilt. I talked to Russell about this the other day about when I was drinking, I could stay up all hours of the night. I could be up and life of the party and having a good old time. And since I started getting sober, I am tired. She's boring. I am like a boring, tired old lady. She knits and she goes to bed. I do. Yeah. I am tired at night. She watches Law and Order. I do. I love me some Law and Order. <laughs> that's, that's um, and I was being really hard on myself of like, like having the negative talk, the brain bullies mm -hmm. about like, what's wrong with me? And why are you so tired? Is something wrong with your I'm health? Like, uh, you and... know, we're on the other side of 40 now, right? Like, yeah, you're not, not, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't want to say, I don't want to like embrace that. I know that, but I'm not ready to like, fully embraced it. I'm Man. just getting old. Yeah. Um, but I realized that I am probably more tired because I'm finally feeling all of the feels. I am no longer drinking to cover up numbing it or numbing it. Right. I am having to process all of these emotions, mm. unpacking all of my and habits your, and, your kids emotions. and my kids emotions. They have a lot. <laughs> I'm having to unpack all of my hurts all of my hangups, all of my habits that take up, that takes up a lot of energy. Mm. And so I, you know, honestly had been hard on myself until I was like, no, give yourself some grace. You know, um, I feel like I am guilty of offering people more grace than I would give myself sometimes. And in this situation, I realized like you are doing a lot in the day, you know, whether it's talking to somebody else about their sobriety or you're talking with your counselor or you're working on your podcast or just other recovery tools that I am using in my life. I have some pretty mentally exhausting days. So I am trying to take my own advice to give myself grace. So give yourself grace too. If you are in a it doesn't even have to be sobriety. If you are unpacking childhood trauma or family dysfunction or any of that, and you're really tired, that takes up a lot of energy. Um, another thing that is keeping me sober is healthy boundaries um, with friends and my family of origin. So my family of origin is very triggering for me. And it's not something that I realized really to the fullest depth until I got sober. Um, and I didn't have health, healthy boundaries with my family. I would feel that I had to attend every family event and put myself around people that I didn't want to be around because of the guilt that I would receive or the guilt that I would even feel for myself that there was a family event and I wasn't there. Like, like it was really, you know, going to be the end of the world if I didn't attend every family event. Um, but I, I carried a lot of that. And I, I'm going to share something personal that I didn't, didn't share with Russell until I got sober too. Um, the stress and anxiety of being around my family of origin was so much for me that when we, I knew we were going into a, um, family event, I would like get our food together that we got to bring and the kids bag and the toys or whatever we're bringing. And I'd rush Russell off to the car with the kids. And I would stand in the kitchen and take a few shots of alcohol because the anxiety and the stress and the overwhelmness I was already feeling in my spirit to just show up to this family event calls me to need and want to have to take shots before going. Um, and I realized that was so such an unhealthy situation for me. Um, and now I speak up, I tell him, you know, I'm not comfortable around this or I'm not sure I want to attend that kind of a thing because sometimes it's just too much for me. And I don't feel guilty about that anymore. I feel like creating boundaries and having safe spaces is really important for someone in sobriety. So next um, is the 
creating boundaries and friendship, which I also feel is so incredibly important. I myself have found myself holding on to friendships because I've known them for a long time, or I love her kids and I want to be in her kid's life, or, you know, I just don't want to walk away from them because they're dealing with X, Y, Z. But I knew in my heart that it was not a healthy friendship. And sometimes they're, that what they were dealing with, with XYZ, was then bleeding into my life and my mood, my attitude, or my relationship. Um, and so just boundaries in general are so important. And it's okay if a friendship, you've outgrown it, or it's sucking the life out of you to take a break. Um, I have had to take breaks. I've taken um a much needed break with a friend and it it has not come back yet and it may not i'm not sure um but it is okay to take a break from a relationship um, to maintain my own peace and sobriety i had to say no to anything that was forced fake unnecessary or unaligned with my own growth or healing. And that's something that I am still working on doing. I am not there yet. There are times that I agree to hang out with somebody out of guilt or out of um, necessity. I have to be around that person. I don't enjoy it. And I do safeguard myself when I do have to be around them. The next thing that's really helped me stay sober in the pandemic was reaching out for help. I am the type of person that hasn't been comfortable asking for help, mostly because fear of being let down um, or honestly not wanting to bother anyone. I have always been so super um, independent and so relying on someone else or even just humbling myself to say I need help has been hard for me, but it's something that I'm growing into. I had to put aside my fear and my pride um, and reach out for help for help when I needed it. Um, and that's helped me in a lot of ways. Um, it's helped me identify my needs. You know, that's the other thing I think for me is that sometimes I didn't even know my own needs, but yet I would get frustrated when Russell didn't know what I need. So by me voicing what I needed, I was being more clear with what I needed. And then I was communicating better with you gotta him. You got to ask for what you need. That's, that's exactly what yep. I was going to say next. Yep. Ask for what you need. That has been no mind readers huge out here. for mm -hmm. me, guys. When I say huge, I was raised in a large family and I was the middle child. I never felt like I was a priority. I never learned to ask for what I need because most of the time when I asked for what I need, I didn't get it. So I quickly learned that if you want something, you got to get it yourself. Figure it out yourself. Um, it wasn't until I got sober and a few years ago around that time that Russell realized that I wasn't asking for what I needed. And so he would constantly say, ask for what you need, ask for what you need. Um, I remember, and you'll probably remember this story, when I was so stressed around house stuff and kids stuff and all this stuff that needed to be done. And I am like, the beginning part's about to have a nervous breakdown. And I'm like telling you, and I'm so stressed and you don't know what I have to do. And I'm sure there was a lot of tears involved in that and, you know, all this stuff. And you were so calm and you were like, Bird, these are not your children. These are our children. This is not your house. This is our house. And you were like, let's get a list. Let's do this together. And you were like, so calm with me. And that has stuck with me so much. I didn't take it personal. I didn't, I didn't, you know, obviously people internalize things and prioritize things differently. And I'm like, okay, you see all this stuff that needs to get done. I agree. It, it needs to get, it needs to get taken care of. But 
it's not necessarily as much of a priority for me or it doesn't aggravate me as much as it aggravates you, but let's get it done. But it's not yours to do. And I never, I don't see it that way. So well, yeah, I, I didn't take it personally that you were, that you were, cause I didn't make all the mess in the house and I didn't, you know, create some of the things that just have to get done. It's just a matter of life. So I didn't take it personal that you were, uh, you know, had anxiety around it or were frustrated about or overwhelmed. I was like, well, let's just make a list and get it done. So well, I never had a partner <laughs> that would, that was willing to take on some of my stress or burden or to-do list, you know, and I was raised by a woman and I love my mother to death, but she did everything. And I don't want to do everything. Shout out to mom. I love her, but I know, and she has shared that there was resentful moments with my father because he allowed her to take the responsibility and do everything. And I didn't want that for our relationship, but I wasn't doing a good job communicating mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. until you said the ask for what you need. And that has just been so important. We also tell our kids this all the time, ask for what you need, ask for what you need. And as simple as stuff like I'm thirsty. No, we don't, we don't do I'm thirsty around here. <laughs> you say, could I please have a glass of water? Can I please have a glass of milk or whatever it may be? Not I'm thirsty. So like just making announcements and expecting, yes, expecting things to fall out the exactly. sky. Exactly. <laughs> and that's gonna help them so much down the road with life. You don't, you know, you need to ask for what you need. Have a plan, have a but also sit and think about yes. think about it because you may have an emotion, right? Exactly. And, and you were just describing you're, you had yeah, you were having emotion like and, you know, what is it that really needs to get done? And I remember, I don't know if we're thinking of the same occasion. I remember one occasion we did that and we started writing things down. I'm like, all right, well, this I was going to do tomorrow. So done. Like, take it off your list. Like, yes, we started going time. through the list mm -hmm. and then you saw it on paper and it was like, oh, this isn't that bad. I'm like, exactly. Like, let's you don't have to hold it all. It's holding it in your brain. You're thinking about it. You're going in circles in your mind. You're driving yourself crazy. Let's put it on paper. Let's talk about it together. And then let's have a plan to tackle it. Like, yes. and, and that made life easier. And so writing things down, having lists, getting it out your head is certainly, you know, a, a big uh Because yeah, you can't, you can't tool. read my mind. No, you know? I don't know. And I had to be direct with my ask, what I right. needed. And think about it. And yeah. think about it because that cuts down on the confusion, right. on the stress, on the hurt feelings, right. on the miscommunication. Or like, some of forgetfulness. And I'm you know, A1 guilty of forgetting. <laughs> and I'm like, I need it somewhere. And my reminders on my phone. Or it's, you know, business between business owner and two kids and the wife. It, I, I'm not, I'm human and I fail. So at that having it on a list, it makes it, it gets it out of my brain and then I can't drop the ball. You're not worrying about it. And it gets, eventually it'll get done if it's important enough. <laughs> All right. So uh, wrapping us up here, what are, uh, what were some of the things you said that you did just in summary sure. to, to stay sober? So, yeah. So the first one was I re renewed my mind. Honestly, I, I really spent a lot of time. Um, renewing my mind and in prayer and in communication with God and asking him to be with me and, and to help me. Um, I was more aware of my triggers and safeguarded myself against places that would not be healthy for me. Um, I had more of a routine and tried to stick to that routine. My healthy distractions with my knitting, <laughs> having a therapist or going to meetings, uh, boundaries, having healthy boundaries, and most importantly, um, asking for what I needed. All right, time to wrap up with a little bit of encouragement. What do you got for us, Sila? So I'm going to start with what we were just talking about. Ask for what you need. So let me encourage you. If this is not something that you're used to, 
doing, start practicing, asking for small things. Um, yes, someone might disappoint you. It's probably a good chance that they will, but that's okay. It might give you more clarity as to who's in your corner and who just wants to take and not give. So I encourage you, ask for what you need, big or small. Also could help provide clarity in terms of boundaries too. It could, very right. much so. Well, so the next one I have is to um, ask someone else what they need. So if you're someone who's supporting a loved one um, who is on a sobriety journey or any other journey to healing and to, to wholeness, to, to really be available to them and to you know be uh, have a, a, a loving servant's heart um, and asking for you know asking them what do they need right and being a resource and, and making yourself available to them and then on the other side of that if you're someone who personally is on uh, a journey of sobriety or your own journey of healing and wholeness it's important to also ask others uh, what they need to, to look outward not just always be so inward focused so yes we're doing work we're doing inner work to be better, to be sober, to be healthier, but also it's important to to be outwardly focused as well to seek, is there someone else that I can reach out to today? Is there somebody else I can help and be a resource to or be a support to? And so, you know, to to, to do that in terms of ask, just asking the simple question, what yes. can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I love you and support you better um, is, is really powerful. Yeah, we have something that we say in recovery that we've got to give it away to keep it. And so by asking somebody what you need and helping them, that's giving it away. It's part of the reason that I'm doing this podcast is right. that I've got to give what I've learned away in order for me to keep my sobriety. I got to give the tools, the knowledge, the hand, the help, whatever I can do, I want to continue to give it away so that I can keep what I have found. So um, as we conclude, I was going to read to you guys um, a quick little prayer. Um, that I learned in AA. It's on the 63rd, no, 63, yeah, page of the big book. Um, and it is called the Third Step Prayer. And I'm going to read it to you. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next time.